Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is The Ultimate Cosmic Conflict. As you know, we've been doing cosmic conflict, building on it. The Ultimate Cosmic Conflict, Mark 9, 30 to 33. Now, this is Palm Sunday. And on the way out, you're all going to get a palm. We don't hand them out earlier because they turn into weapons and the kids end up, you know, emergency room visits and all that. So we don't hand them out earlier. But on the way out, you're going to get your palm. What happens once you get home, that's between you and your kids. But uh, thank you to the pod shop for donating the palms to us every year. We really appreciate that. If you're ever in there, make sure you say thank you to them from the church. The palms represent the triumphal entry when Jesus enters Jerusalem, and the crowd goes crazy. You all know the story. The crowd goes crazy. But what the crowd doesn't realize is that they will soon be a mob, and that the, the, they're going to turn from the, the frenzied crowd into a frenzied mob. And, that the, and they also don't realize that the real triumph was not Jesus riding into Jerusalem. The real triumph will take place a few days later on Good Friday. On Good Friday. You see, I'm wearing, I did this on purpose. I was trying to figure out what to wear, and an idea hit me this morning. Uh, I got the gold on, Jesus the King riding in, but really, and it's hot in here so I can take off my sweater. I wasn't going to use this if it was cold again, but this is warm. But I, I put black underneath because underneath the triumphal entry was a time of mourning. It's going to be a time of mourning. Don't let me forget my sweater. Uh, I, I forget stuff all over the place. But anyway, the, the, the real triumph was not the triumphal entry. It's what's going to happen on the cross on Good Friday. And it's, in, it's going to be a time of mourning, but the time of mourning is going to lead to another victory next week. Don't miss Resurrection Sunday, right? Which brings us back to Mark chapter 9. And some interesting parallels to today. It's wild that we landed on this verse today because there's some very interesting parallels. Let me read the passage to you. The, we saw... We saw Jesus, we're looking at Jesus Christ's power. And we saw the transfiguration showing his power. He was transfigured before them, showing the God-man, showing what he really looks like. Then he comes down off that mountain and he casts out a demon. And it was a victory and everybody's excited because he's cast out this demon. And it's all exciting, but there's no accident that here and now, Jesus says something to reign on the parade. Just like I took off the gold sweater and I got the black on, that's what Jesus did. He says something that rain on the parade. He makes another prophetic prediction to his disciples about the cross and dying. Why? Why here? Because, and I, I know I've sent this question out a lot, you got some interesting emails, people trying to figure out, and uh, it's hard to connect the dots, but I'm going to connect them. Because casting out the demon was a preview of the ultimate cosmic conflict. The ultimate cosmic con conflict. Casting out the demon, he's showing his power over demons, but it's setting up for the ultimate cosmic conflict. The cross, which he's predicting here, is the ultimate cos cosmic conflict and results in the ultimate victory, which frees us from Satan's power. Just like the boy is freed, we are freed by, from Satan's power in many ways because of the cross. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us together this morning. 
We thank you for this Palm Sunday and the triumph, but we know that the real triumph happened on the cross and the resurrection. I pray that each of us would know the power of the cross in our life and the power of Jesus' resurrection in our life. I pray that everyone here would know your son Jesus Christ through faith and we'd be able to live out that faith through your spirit's power. We pray that your word would touch us now in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, put on your seatbelts. This is wild. It's going to get wild. Mark 9, 30 to 32. Just cast the demon out, and this is what happens. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant, and they were afraid to ask him about it. So this is Jesus' second cross prediction here to the all twelve. He's said it to other times to three of them up on the mountain. and different, But to the whole twelve, this is a second cross prediction that he gives to the whole twelve. And once again, the, the apostles, the twelve apostles, they don't get it, right? How can the hero Messiah die? He's supposed to be the hero to deliver us from Rome. How can he die? And how can anybody rise from the dead? They just don't quite get what he's talking about. And as I mentioned earlier, there's no coincidence on the timing here. Jesus is connecting dots. He's saying to the apostles, what you just saw me do to that demon was just a minor skirmish. The real battle is coming soon, and I'm going to die and rise again. He's connecting the dots for them. And we're going to focus on the rising part next week. Perfect timing, right? Uh, for Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Today we're going to focus on the dying and the cross and the cosmic conflict that we've been building on as we've been going through this whole cosmic conflict part of, of Mark chapter 9. And a great passage that really brings out what Jesus is talking about is in John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, 31 to 36. Uh, 31 to 33, I'm not going to do all of them. 31 to 33, Jesus says... Now is a time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out, but I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. He predicts his death. Jesus predicts his death here and the results which are connected to the cosmic conflict we're talking about. Really brings out the effect, the result of this cosmic conflict. A couple of things that the cross does here. The cross condemns the world. The world, when it's used here in this context, he's talking about the world system that is anti-Christ. The cross condemns this anti-Christ world system. It convicts the world, which is why the world hates the cross. So many, you see it, so many hate the cross, right? Philippians 3, in Philippians 3, 18 and 19, it says this. For it, Paul says, For as I have often told you before and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. We see that. That's why we see in the United States so many want to keep Jesus boxed away and out of, out of sight. And the cross out of sight. And the gospel out of sight and out of mind. They don't want anybody to even hear about it. And, and so the, the, the Christ is being 
boxed away and, and erased from our, our history and from our culture and from our politics and from our schools. That's why it happens, because people hate the cross, because it convicts the cross of Jesus Christ convicts and it condemns. That's why Islam denies that Jesus died on the cross or that he was divine because it's a, world, it's a, a religious system that hates the cross. It, if you have Muslim friends, if you've ever read the Quran, you know that it, the, it teaches that Jesus was not divine. He was just a prophet and he did not die on a cross. That never happened. And that's why in most Muslim countries, there's open season on Christians because the world hates the cross, and we can do it across the board to all religions and all cults and and all philosophical systems. They hate the cross of Jesus Christ. But back to John chapter 12, the cross, the reason they hate it is because the cross condemns the world, and it also does something else. Look at what it says there. It says, the cross defeats the devil. The prince of this world will be driven out. The cross defeats the devil. Uh, Back to, back to, John chapter 12 defeats the devil. Jesus says the prince of this world is driven out on the cross because it breaks his power. The war is over and now it's mop-up time. That's what happened. Remember we, remember we talked about the gates of hell. We are on the offense. Gates don't move. We're on the offense. You read, read the book of Revelation. Guess, guess what happens in Revelation? We win. Read the book. Read the end of the book. We win. That's what happens. The cross condemns the world and it defeats the devil. That's what happened on the cross. And one other thing it says there, the cross draws all men to Jesus Christ. I, when I am lifted up, will draw all men to myself. The cross draws all men to Jesus Christ. The Greek word for draw here is a picture of a fishnet that's being used by John. And a a fishnet is, it's the idea of a fishnet drawing in fish. It's powerful. It's irresistible force. There's no stopping it. And that's what it does. It pulls all to Jesus Christ. Some to salvation and many to judgment. But the cross will pull every person. All must, whether it's for salvation or judgment, we are all facing the cross. We, every person on earth, all seven billion of us, someday have to face the cross. Will it be a place of salvation or a place of judgment for us? The cross and the cosmic conflict accomplished something incredible for every person here. Here and on the earth. And if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's accomplished something awesome for us. And to look at that, Colossians, I'm going to bounce over to Colossians. So I said, put on your seatbelts. I, I couldn't stop on this one. It's too, too exciting here. In Colossians 2, 13 to 15, it says this. This is what it accomplished. If you have put your faith, if you've come to Jesus Christ and said, God, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me, for my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I put my faith in him. I give my life to him. When you take that step of faith, when you're born again, when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, something amazing happens here. In Colossians 2, 13 to 15, it's really laid out for us. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross this is what christ accomplished for us if you put your faith in christ this is what he has accomplished for us on this cross verse 13 look what it says here he gave us life he gave us life god made you alive with christ when we were when we were 
dead in our sins and in our sinful nature. We were the walking, talking dead. We were dead. But that's when we, God made us alive in Christ. The Holy Spirit comes in and we're alive in Christ. But how? By forgiving our sins. Verse 13, by forgiving our sins. That's what happened. And when it happens, the Holy Spirit comes in and now we're alive. For the first time in our life, we are spiritually alive. That's why when all of a sudden our worldview begins to change and we start to think about moral issues in a way we never thought about, we start to see the world in a whole new way. Remember when it happened? It was like, what happened here? Everything's changing because the Holy Spirit is inside and we've become alive. That's why when you talk to someone who has not put their faith in Christ and you talk about some really basic things that, boy, it's pretty obvious that this is right and this is wrong, they don't get it. Why? Because they're the walking, talking dead, just like we were. That's what they are, spiritual zombies. I mean, it's, there's no way around it. Just like all of us were at one time, they're still dead. But that's what happened. Jesus made us alive on the cross. He forgave us our sins. And where did our sins go? Verse 14, where did they go? Nailed to the cross. They were nailed to the cross. Each hammer, blow, each nail that went through Jesus Christ, each blow of that hammer of the crucifixion was for our sin. Jesus Christ, in love, voluntarily took our sins and punishment on himself. The innocent God-man paid our just penalty. We deserve that. Paid our just penalty to satisfy the righteous law of holy God. And all of us believe in his holy law. You don't believe it? What happens when somebody hits your car? Hey, you're going you're gonna to have to pay for that. What happens when something steals, somebody steals from something from you? Hey, that's wrong. We all know that's wrong, it, it, but we just don't want to apply it to ourselves. <laughs> right? but, but that's what happened. That holy law is, is over the whole human race. We recognize it. We just don't want to submit ourselves to it. But Jesus, the innocent God-man, paid for our penalty to satisfy that holy law, the righteous law of a holy God. And when he did that, verse 15 says something wild, that this brutal cosmic conflict ended with a total victory over a vicious enemy. I'm going to read that verse again, verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The cosmic conflict was ended. Our brutal enemy was defeated. He was disarmed. The Greek word for disarmed is literally to make no effect. To make no effect. And it's a picture. Paul is using a picture of, of Roman soldiers fighting. And what they would do is when they would take a soldier captive, they would strip away his weapons and his armor. They would leave him just standing there without any weapons or armor. And that's what the cross of Jesus Christ did to Satan and his demons. Who? Who? The powers and authorities. That's, what it, that's who was disarmed. Ephesians 6.12 tells us who we are dealing with. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Talking about Satan and his demons. That's who Jesus defeated. The devil and the demons were defeated. They were stripped of their power. Colossians 2.15 says he made a public spectacle of them. A public spectacle of them. And once again, Paul is using a picture that everybody knew very well. When a Roman general defeated another army, he would bring, he'd kill most of them, but the people, uh, people he had brought back as slaves, the men and women he would bring back as slaves, he would strip them naked. 
wrap them in chains, and walk them through the streets of Rome in a procession. And that's what Jesus Christ did. He stripped Satan's power and the demon's power. And he humiliated them in front of the entire universe. That's what he did. Triumphing over them by the cross. By the cross. Satan was defeated. Jesus exposed his lies. He took away his ammo. He broke up his terror network. That's what Jesus did on the cross. When Jesus died, he paid our debt. He paid our debt. He set us free from Satan's accusation. Satan's the loan shark looking to collect. And he took, he, Jesus already paid the debt. The loan shark has nothing over us. He can't break our legs, you know. He can't, you know, wipe, wipe us out, erase us. Because we've been, he paid the debt. We've been set free from Satan's accusation. The prosecutor, Satan, the great prosecuting attorney, has lost his evidence. The evidence that he was going to use against us, it was lost. Why? Because it was nailed to the cross. It was paid for. Our crime has been paid for. It was nailed to the cross. The prosecutor no longer has that evidence over us. Do we realize what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us? That's the triumphal entry is really about. The cross that followed. Do we realize what he accomplished for us? When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when you say, Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sin... I put my faith in your son Jesus. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to give him my life. When we do that, we are given eternal life, just as we saw here already. We're given eternal life, not just in heaven forever, but it starts right now. Eternal life doesn't start when you die and go to heaven. It starts the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ. We get a new life, a brand new life, a life with purpose, a life with peace, a life with joy, a life that's free from the bondages that we've struggled with all of our life. We were given eternal life and a victorious life here in and now, does that mean we don't struggle anymore? Well, I haven't. Do you? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, we still fight our battles, right? We still have temptations and trials, and we're often the walking wounded, right? Because of all the, the battles that we're fighting. But God has given us the ability, his grace, and the weapons to fight this battle. Why does Jesus give us weapons? So we can sit on a spiritual sofa and soak it in? No, he gives us a weapon because he knows we're going to have to fight. And it's going to be a, a battle. The war is won, but it's still the mop-up fighting time. After, the war, you know, after, the, after a war is won, there's still a lot of vicious fighting that has to go up. It's called the mop-up time. It still has to happen. We, we are going to have to fight. He's given us the weapons. In fact, in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, if you don't have this memorized, well, you're missing out on a lot. Uh, Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the forces of evil, uh, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now get this. This is post-cross. Post-cross, the victory is over, but look at what he says to us. 
Therefore, verse 13, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints we are given the, uh, the ability and the weapons to fight and I really want to focus on this because, verse 17 because this connects to the cross and the victory and what we've been talking about today take the helmet of salvation take the helmet of salvation we really want to focus on that helmet here as we get ready to go into communion here. We're already saved. Paul's talking to Christians. So how could he see me saying, put on the helmet of salvation? They're already saved. It's not salvation. They're already saved. What is he talking about? 1 Thessalonians 5.8 has a re- uh, brings it out, I think, brings out a little bit more about this that I think is, is powerful. In 1 Thessalonians 5.8, he says... But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. The hope of salvation as a helmet. The hope of salvation. That's what the helmet of salvation, it's not just the fact that we are saved and, and clinging to that and fighting the doubts and fighting all that, but it's also a hope that when we put it on, it's a hope, and this hope should have a practical effect. Follow me now. The hope, we put every day, when you put on that hope of salvation, not salvation, you already saved, when you put your faith in Christ, you're saved, but still, we're told to put on the hope of the salvation. It should have a practical effect, a powerful practical effect. 1 John 3, in 1 John 3, 1 through 3, he says this, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who has his hope, and we're going to see Jesus. He's coming again. That's the hope that we have. We're saved. We're going to see him. He's coming for us again. But what is the effect of it? It should motivate us to live pure lives, to live like Jesus Christ. That's the whole point of putting on the hope of salvation. It should motivate us to, 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 to live holiness. The effect of putting it on is purity and holiness. It protects our minds. It gives us hope. It helps us not to get too discouraged. We're going to get discouraged, but not, not to get too discouraged, to get too down, to give up. Up. It, it encourages us. It protects us from doubt. I know I'm saved. Even when I doubt, even when I struggle, even when I fall flat on my face, I still know I'm saved. I got on the helmet of salvation. It also protects us from spiritual attacks. I know because of the helmet of salvation and what the cross did for me, I know Satan's power is broken. I don't have to listen to his lies anymore. I don't have to listen to his accusations anymore. I've got on the helmet of salvation. 
I don't have to give in to temptation anymore. And if I just fell flat on my face, I don't have to keep on doing it. I can get back up again. I don't have to keep, well, what's the point? I already fell. I might as well fall 20 more times. No, I don't have to fall for that lie. I don't have to keep on giving in. I can use all my weapons. I can use the shield of faith. I can use the sword of the Spirit. That's my right as a child of God. I know I'm saved. I'm a child of God. He, Jesus loves me no matter what. He loves me no matter what. I, I know I'm saved. And the palms that you're going to be giving, getting in a little bit on the way out, I want you to take those palms and keep them as a reminder of this fact, of what the cross has accomplished in our life and what it means to us. And if, you, if you're good at art and stuff, maybe you want to make it into a cross. I see people do that. I always mangle it. But make it into a cross. Hang on. And, and that palm is a victory. The cross is a victory. It's a reminder of the victory that we have. And this week, Good Friday coming up, hang on to that and remember what happened. That's why I decided to do communion this morning. It's a perfect fit for this, this passage. Next Sunday, Easter, of course. But, but also, it was just a perfect ending because communion is all about the cross. It's remembering what Jesus Christ did for us and purifying ourselves. That's the whole point of it, remembering the cross and, and keeping ourselves pure so that we can have communion, connection, so there's nothing between us and God. That's the whole point of, of communion, right? The cross that Jesus died. Maybe you're telling you've never put your faith in Jesus. The cross that Jesus died on, he died for a purpose. He wants to draw us to him. So that we can have a relationship with his father, God, as our father. That's why. So we can have a relationship. My question is, if you've never put your faith in Christ, you have a decision to make. Will you come to the cross in faith for life? Or will you be judged by the cross? God loves us. And he wants us to give our lives to Jesus Christ. That's why he gave Jesus Christ life for us. He doesn't want us to be judged. John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's the whole point. But if we reject that love, there's a warning. John 3.36, a few verses down further, says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Will we, put our, will we come to the cross in faith or for condemnation? It's a choice every person on earth has to make that decision. And that's what communion is all about. What is it? Luke 22. In Luke 22.19 it says... Verses 19 to 20. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. That's what communion is about. It's remembering that and, and following what Christ has taught us on this. How we take it here, every church does it different, but the way we do it, we have a table up here with, with the bread and the cup. And you can just come up when you feel led, when it's time, and take it. 
take it back to your seat. You can take it back to your seat. You can kneel in the front. You can whatever you want. You can take it alone. You can take it with your family or friends or however the Holy Spirit leads. The point is it's between you and God. There's two reasons why we shouldn't take communion. One is we're not a Christian yet. So if you're here and you're not a Christian yet and you're just seeking, that's okay. Don't take it. Nobody's videotaping. Nobody cares. It's between you and God. This is personal, right? Just, just stay sitting and keep praying and maybe next time. But, but this is a great time to put your faith. If you're ready, this is a great time to put your faith. The second reason is if there's a sin in our life that we won't surrender. Notice I didn't say there's a sin in our life because we would not have to put anything up here. No one could take it. We all sin, but that's the whole point of communion. We come and we confess the sin. But there's something we say, God, you can have X, Y, but not Z. I'm not giving that up. Then don't take the Lord's Supper. Because we don't want to be judged by it. It's very serious taking the Lord's Supper. But I hope that everyone will surrender. Say, God, X, Y, and Z. I repent of it. I ask you to forgive me for it. I surrender it. Give me the grace to fight it. It's not about perfection, but being willing to let God make the progress in our life. I hope everybody takes communion, but, but if, if it's okay, if you're not ready, it's okay. Wait for the next time. I'm going to just, we're going to pray, and then I have a, a when I'm done with praying, we're going to have a short video to show. It's called The Sounds of the Cross. If it doesn't play because we're having a few computer problems, don't worry about it. I'll just open it up. But hopefully there'll be a little video showing the sounds of the cross, very powerful, and then we'll open up the communion, and when that's done, we'll have a little bit of worship to close up with, Okay. Let's pray. Our prayer time really is getting ready for communion. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, but the Holy Spirit is pulling you. You are being drawn to the cross of Christ for salvation. You're ready to take that step of faith. You can do it right now. You can begin communion right now because communion is about communing with God and you can, you can start that right now by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Just say, God, I believe in your son Jesus. I put my faith in him. My hope, my trust, my faith in Jesus. I'm asking you to forgive my sin. I repent of my old life. I repent of the sin in my life. I walk away from it and I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. I want to follow Jesus Christ. If you've prayed that prayer, something powerful has happened. You have received salvation. You never have to fear condemnation. You have been set free. You have been given life starting right now, and it's going to go on through eternity. A life of communion with God as your Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. And taking communion this morning is symbolic of that new relationship you have, that you can come to God through the body and blood of his son. 
I want to encourage you to let somebody know you've taken that step of faith, whether you tell me on the way out or fill out the card or tell a friend or family member, text, call. Let somebody know because we're going to be so excited and we want to help you. We want to help you to grow. We want to encourage you in your new relationship with God. Let somebody know. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, as we go to this communion, I want to encourage you to focus on putting on the helmet of salvation this morning. Living in that hope. Maybe there's some area of our life that we need hope in. And to purify. How is God speaking to us about purifying and becoming like Jesus Christ. Maybe we listen to Satan's lie in some way or we're listening to accusations or, or we're defeated and we don't have to live like that because of the cross of Christ and because of communion with him. Father, as we come to this communion time, we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us in a powerful way. You know exactly where we are and what we're struggling with and, and what encouragement we need and what conviction we need. You know exactly, each one of us, where we are and the next step you want us to take. We, pray, we invite your Holy Spirit to move in a powerful way through this time. In Jesus' name.